Okay, everybody, let's let us begin. I'm going to get you get back to your seats as you're making your way there. Let me say good morning to everybody who is online. It is great to have you here at Caldwell Church as well today. Uh, there's a lot of excitement in this room today, so I'm excited that you are here. I've noticed and I've met many new people here today. Let's say uh, good morning to all of our new people who are here with us. It's great to have you here. Uh, we're about to launch into what is known in the church as Holy Week. And so part of Holy Week, there's this, there's this tradition that we have worked with for a lot of years. Let's try it out today and see if you're ready for it. It goes something like this. He is risen. He is risen Come on, he is risen. He is risen now I know some of you are thinking, Sean, it's not Easter Sunday morning yet. But does it really need to be Easter Sunday morning for us to say that he is risen and he is alive? So I'm excited that you're here today and ready to go on this journey with us. Now let me ask you a question here to really help us uh, grasp where I'm going to talk about this morning. But have you ever been resolute on something before? Have you ever been resolute? Now, if you don't know, resolute is, is this. It means that you are admirably purposeful, you are determined, you are unwavering, you are bold, you are steady. Has anybody ever been resolute before? Can I see your hands if this is describing you? Someone who wants to do something so much that nothing is going to stand in your way in order to get it. Now, for the record, let's keep it straight here for a second. I'm not talking about getting to that restaurant to eat that hamburger in about 40 minutes, okay? That's not resolute. Although, in January, when we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was resolute on making my way to Binfor that Sunday night after we had finished our encounter night. I went for that hamburger, and I smashed it down, and I felt bad after. But it was worth it. All right? Now, resolute can also function in bad capacity. People have been resolute for bad things. But people are always uh, resolute on going after good things. So, for instance, that's where I'm kind of coming here today, is resolute. Whether it would be resolute on an education, maybe there's something to do with travel or a job or whatever it may be. You're resolute. Have you ever been resolute on something before? Last year, had the opportunity to uh, be resolute in a couple of things that were important to my life. I love the month of March. As you heard me comment in the month of March, it's my birthday, the best month of the year. So all you March babies, we're the best babies. Anyway, things like that. And thank you, everyone, for your birthday wishes this week. I was so thankful. I know I'm loved, fam. But the best thing about March to me is not, not a birthday. It's this thing called March Madness. I love March Madness. My favorite tournament, I'm a sports guy, my favorite tournament in the whole entire world, men's college basketball. I love it. In fact, in March, my wife considers herself a March widow. I mean, because I am gone, because I am in there. But last year, about 10 of us from this church actually went down to Portland because March Madness came to a vicinity close to us. And it was a, a dream of mine my whole entire life. I've watched it on television. But there we were in Portland with 10 of us, and we got to watch March Madness. Life. I was so excited and I had been determined my whole life and I was resolute and it happened. It was so cool. Another thing that happened for me last year in the March season, and I, I had been pretty determined and bold and unwavering in this too, and it was really important for me, but I actually um, got my master's degree, right? So this is a good thing. Now, 
I, I say that because I didn't know what it would be like for a guy that was 20 plus years removed from education to go back and actually try to learn something. And I did it, and I actually succeeded in it. So if you want education, go for it. You're never too old. But I was resolute in a couple of those things. And let me ask you the question again. Have you ever been resolute in something in your life before? Because if you have been, I actually think that you're super close to Jesus because Jesus himself was resolute on some things as well. And in fact, there was one very important thing Jesus was resolute on. And that's where I want to take our discussion to this morning on this Palm Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me in Luke chapter 9. But if not, I do have the words on the screen for us today. And this is what it reads. At that time... As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, look at this, Jesus resolutely, somebody say resolute, Resolute. was resolute and he set out for this place called Jerusalem. Somebody say Jerusalem. Okay, so he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. So when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? (laughs) This is awesome. How many of you have called down that same fire on somebody else's life in your life? I will put up my hand because I have done it. Please forgive me, Jesus, but I've done it. No one else is putting up your hands. I don't believe you, all right? So... Take that person out. Get them out of my life. Well, this is what these guys are doing. You reject Jesus, I'm going to call down some fire. We're going to have a barbecue right now. Like, that's what we're talking about here. It's unbelievable. But Jesus looks at them and he, he rebukes them is what it says. And then I'm going to fast forward us to the, the reason why we celebrate this thing called Palm Sunday. So Luke chapter 19, let me give you the synopsis of what this is. Jesus is on his resolute journey to Jerusalem. Very important. He set his whole entire life to go to Jerusalem, to catch this. He goes to Jerusalem to die for you. Determined, unwavering, he goes to die for you. And so as he's approaching Jerusalem this last time, he calls a couple of his disciples, go ahead, I want you to grab a donkey. Bring that donkey to me, I'm going to ride this donkey into Jerusalem. And as we begin to ride into Jerusalem, people are going to throw down, as Pastor Tyson said moments ago, they're going to throw their coats on the floor. They're going to get these things called palm branches, which is why we call it Palm Sunday. And they begin to worship Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem to his death. But they thought it was going to be something completely different. But he's riding to his death, and they're cheering, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, the God who saves us, glory to God in the highest. And all this is taking place, and then all of a sudden, these Pharisees, these guys that really don't see eye to eye with Jesus, they look at him, and they're like, tell your people to be quiet. And Jesus is like, listen, if I do that, the stones are going to cry out in their place. Another fantastic message for another time, but it would be this. Don't let a rock outpraise you when it comes to Jesus, okay? Don't do it. It's not worth it. And apparently Jesus will let it happen. But then this is where I want to land this picture. It says, but as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. See, the peace is hidden from your eyes. 
Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on every side, and they will crush you into the ground and your children with you. That's encouraging. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. As we have read the Lord on this Palm Sunday, will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for this day. Now speak to us through this word. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Today I'd like to speak to us from the subject, Jerusalem. We see that Jesus was resolute on making his way to this city called Jerusalem. And why was it so important for him? And on this Palm Sunday, which is a very traditional Sunday for us as we encounter now what is set out in front of us for this week called the Holy Week, we land here. But as I've been reading this text in preparation for the Easter Sunday, and you all know that we've been in this series called Church and State, I really felt God kind of change my approach to today and for next Sunday. And and he wasn't done with Church and State. (laughs) I've been reading this text through the lens of church and state and why it matters so much because when you do look at it, you got over here the state, you've got Rome and they were usurping their power upon people. You've got over here the Jewish people who are long awaiting their Messiah. Then you've got these Pharisees over here who want nothing to do with Jesus and we wanna talk about church and state right now and we've been discussing what is policy and political means and the church and following Jesus matter. I see it in this story absolutely everywhere. Another thing that I have been resolute on in my life um, happened in 2018. I had been resolute my whole entire life to make it to this location called Israel. Anybody ever been to Israel before? Well, my entire life I had been spent trying to get there because I wanted to actually kind of walk through and see the things that I've, I've read in this book for such a really long time. And we had the opportunity um, to do that with a team of people here from this church. And I got to tell you, it was a fantastic trip. The way we traveled through Israel and saw these locations, the stories that we had seen. I remember that as we were in Jericho, we were about to conclude our trip and we were making our ascent up to Jerusalem. There's that word again, right? We're going up to Jerusalem to see what's happening. And before we stop uh, or get into Jerusalem, we'd take a, just a quick little detour and we, we decided to ride camels. <laughs> it was so much fun. On my 20th anniversary, Lisa and I are riding camels in Israel. How cool is that? And so we're doing that and you're like, there were some people on our trip, they thought their lives were going to flash before their lives. Uh, riding those camels, but for some of us, it was really exciting. We get back into the vehicle, and sure enough, just a few minutes up the road, we turn around the corner, and there, wham, in all of her glory is Jerusalem. And I was so excited to allow Jerusalem become 3D for me, or 4D for that matter. We began to, over the next couple of days, walk those streets. And as I walked those streets, I saw church and state everywhere. I watched the struggle that was real as people hurried about their days. But in all of her splendor, I noticed this about good old Jerusalem and the people groups that were there. They were all pining for control and authority. I walked over here to this section of Jerusalem and it was the Muslim quarter. The Dome of the Rock stood there. I walked over to this quarter and I saw the Roman Catholic Church and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. I walked over to this quadrant of that city and I saw the Jewish people. 
standing in front of what is known famously as the Wailing Wall. I sat there in fascination at the wall myself, just watching and observing. And then I could go to the Christian quarter, which was a little bit more home for me. I walked to the Christian quarter, and just moments before there, I walked to Garden of Gethsemane. I walked where Jesus was arrested and handed over. We watched that. We went to the garden tomb, which apparently is where Jesus potentially had rose from the dead. And all of these things, the sights and the sounds, it was truly fascinating for me. But I was resolute on making myself get there. But as I watched Jerusalem that day, and as I watched my country today, in this filter, in this lens of church and state, this is what I know. Disagreement is unavoidable. Difference is inevitable. But division is a choice. And I think sometimes we want to get this backwards, but as citizens of a new king, division is not the option, unity is. And what we see in division is that that is a tactic from an enemy whose name is Satan, and he's no good for you. Trust you me. So I'm looking at all of these pieces, and I'm understanding that there's something really important about this Jerusalem, though, especially on this Palm Sunday that we're all partaking in today. Let me tell you a little bit about Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is the place where Abraham passed the greatest test of faith and the right to become the father of all nations. It's where King David established her to be the capital city of Israel. It is there where King Solomon built the temple so that God could have his home. Did you know that the word Jerusalem is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible? The second best city that is mentioned at 287 is Babylon. And we've been talking about Babylon for the last number of months. The word Jerusalem appears in two-thirds of the Old Testament, just under half of the New Testament. There are over 70 names given to Jerusalem. Names like the city of David, the city of Zion, the city of righteousness, the city of great kings, or the holy city. Jesus was presented in the temple in Jerusalem. He, at age 12, went back there for three days to preach and to teach in that temple. Would you sit for three days and listen to a 12-year-old talk to you? <laughs> but this is what Jesus does, did. We know this about Jerusalem. It's where Jesus died. It's where he resurrected. Jerusalem is chosen Jesus deeply loves Jerusalem. And guess what? Jesus is going to come back to this earth. And guess where he's going first? Jerusalem. And a new Jerusalem he is going to establish. I love what Randall Price says about Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city at the center. It is the city or it is the center of mankind's hopes and God's purposes. God loves it. Satan hates it. Jesus wept over it. The Holy Spirit descended in it. The nations are drawn to it, and Christ will return and reign in it. Indeed, the destiny of the world is tied to the future of Jerusalem. Somebody say, Jerusalem. Jesus is resolute on getting to this Jerusalem. And this is interesting for us today because this new king arrives onto the scene, and his name is Jesus. And Rome, when they see and they hear the language of a king coming to town, it is not friendly 
Because when they hear that language, Rome would allow you to worship whoever you wanted, but to proclaim that you were a king and you were going to take control of the Roman Empire, that was not good news for you. So much so that they decided to kill Jesus because of it. Rome is there. The Pharisees are not happy with Jesus whatsoever, and they are trying to discard with him. But Jerusalem, as we see, is at center stage. And a political showdown is imminent with this ride into Jerusalem. The ride on the donkey was the ultimate political statement. What Jesus was saying is, I am the king of it all. And he makes that ride in, and he's making something known. We notice that when it comes to Palm Sunday, that Jerusalem is the epicenter. Epicenter means that it's the center of something. Now, often for us, when we hear the word epicenter, it is met with disaster, correct? It is met with bad. It is met with difficult or unpleasant situations. Our world knows the language of earthquake. Our world knows the language of epicenter. I could take us to February 6th in the nations of Turkey and Syria. 7.8 magnitude earthquake devastation. When we hear epicenter, earthquake, it's typically because it is bad news. But Jesus was about to ride into Jerusalem and create an epicenter, but not for bad, but for good. And guess what Jesus was going to do ever since? He was going to send aftershocks that would surge throughout the entire world through history, he would send tsunamis, hoping that his people, his partisans of his kingdom, would begin to deliver love, grace, mercy, and peace. Jesus had a plan for Jerusalem. It was the epicenter, and he was resolute on getting to her that day. And all because he wanted to die for you. I'm stunned when I keep coming back to this story and to see that somebody would be so determined for me. But he is determined for you. So I want to pull out four things from this text today as to why Jesus resolutely set out towards Jerusalem. I want to tie it through the filter of church and state that what I see in Jerusalem is exactly what I see here in Canada today, and then hopefully we can lay this church and state thing to bed for a while um, until Easter Sunday. <laughs> First thing that I see in this text is that not everyone is going to welcome Jesus. It said that as he was passing through Samaria, it says that Samaritans learned that he was on his way to Jerusalem. And because of that, they would not welcome him into their place. I have to say that I see this same scenario play out in our world today, that there are people in church and state who simply will not welcome Jesus. It's just the bottom line. I also notice as I appreciate the language in the study around Jerusalem that there are nations of our world today that want nothing to do with Jerusalem. And if that is the case, I would provide a great caution 
the reason I say that is because when I look in the lens of Scripture, Psalm 122, it reads to us that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so when we stand opposed to Jerusalem, that goes against what Scripture encourages you and I in and with. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, we are also shown the interaction that we are to bring blessing upon Jerusalem. And when you do, blessing will come to your life. That if you curse Jerusalem, Israel, that you will have curses upon your life. So the Bible even speaks towards the importance of this nation that is known as Jerusalem. But I'm noticing as I read it in the first century context in which it was written, what I see is that this happened then and now. That people do not accept Jesus in the Bible and people do not accept Jesus in Canada today. Would you agree with me on that? So we just see that some people are not going to accept him. The second thing that I'll pull out of this text is this. I I need you to all quit fighting. Remember at the beginning of this series of church and state, I, I proposed that we have a problem here in Canada. And some people thought that I was talking about good old Justin or other politicians and leaders. And what I said to us at that stage is that that is not what we were talking about. The problem that I see in Canada today is that I wonder if you and I today don't think that the teachings of Jesus Christ will work anymore. Now that's a big one for us to look in the mirror on. Do we really believe the things that Jesus has asked and said of us? I think that's more of the problem when I look at the lens of Scripture, is that do we really think that this will work? What Jesus did in in riding in on a donkey, will that work in Canada today? Now, this really is an epic piece of Scripture that we've read about, because it's funny, right? It's like they opposed Jesus, they didn't accept him, and then his two friends are like, let's just call down fire then, barbecue, right now. Like, that scenario and that scene is absolutely stunning to me. Like the idea that just because you're opposed to me, I could wipe you out with some fire. That's good news, right? Like again, and many of us will admit that we've called out that same thing. If we were to fast forward in the gospel of Luke, we'd land in the garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus was about to be rested, what happens? Peter pulls out a sword and he hacks off the ear of the garden who came to take Jesus. And in that moment, What we see in all of these texts is that these guys, all they wanted to do was fight. They wanted to get their point across. They wanted to win. If we were to go back to Luke chapter 9, verse 46, Jesus is talking about the kingdom, and all of a sudden, his guys start talking again. Who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? What seat do I get? And they're all thinking about what it's going to take to win and have the moment of who is the greatest. That if somebody or something is opposed to you, let's just get rid of them because this is all about winning, right? And yet when I look at what Jesus is doing in this text, he's saying one thing, quit fighting. This idea of do we really believe the teachings of Jesus matters for us right now for this one point. To follow Jesus means you're a disciple. That followership, the journey that he took is the journey that he looks from you and I. So I have a question for you today. Does discipleship mean deploying God's missiles against the enemy or politicians because of your righteous indignation? Is that what your discipleship is about? 
So in Luke chapter 18, and I'm, I'm using this whole Lucan book here, but in Luke chapter 18, Jesus even makes the comments that his people didn't understand. They failed to grasp the fact that there was a new way forward. A new king had arrived into town, and he was about to do this thing completely different than what they wanted. Even until the moment he was arrested, they wanted to fight. And Jesus said to them, that is not the way forward. And in Luke chapter 9, when they call down that fire from heaven, Jesus rebukes them. It's not the way. So if it's not the way, it's got me thinking, this is my third point, of the great theologian and scholar of our days, the Mandalorian, (laughs) where he says, this is the way. I think he's right, because Jesus is about to communicate something completely different, but you want to know what stood in the way? Rome. Like, you did not tick off Rome or you would lose your life, to which, again, Jesus walks through. Rome stood in the way. The Pharisees, they stood in the way. Those religious nut jobs stood in the way of him trying to do something with and in Jerusalem. As Jesus approaches Jerusalem, though, resolute, it shows us that he goes and he gets a donkey. This is really important for us today. Because in the Old Testament, a king would ride on a donkey, and it was known as the royal steed. So we see examples in the Old Testament of kings in their cities sitting on a donkey. The donkey was a little bit more docile. It had a meaning that was very important for the people to understand. It was that of peace. People laid down their cloaks on the floor. They cut branches. They waved them around, which was very important for us to see. In fact, when you begin to wave the, the branches on, on Palm Sunday, it is a direct prophetic picture out of Revelation chapter 7 as well, where in heaven, guess what you and I are going to be doing one day? We're going to pro- be proclaiming Jesus Christ as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and guess what you're going to be waving? Palm branches. So palm branches are a pretty cool thing. What is Jesus doing? Why the donkey? Why the palm branches? Because what he is doing in this moment is he is letting everybody know what is happening here today is representative of kingship. He was making a statement. Yes, spiritual for you and I today, but you want to know what kind of a statement it was? Political. He was fully letting everybody know a new king is in town. And my way forward, thank you Mandalorian, but Jesus is better the way forward is going to be a little bit different than the way you have wanted it to be. Instead of your fire, you need to bring something different. As Jesus sits on that donkey and rides in, I know for a fact as we look at the the attitude and the behaviors of these boys that what was taking place was the ride was a bugle sound for battle. I mean, these guys were ready to get into Jerusalem and whip up some enthusiastic crowds to take down Rome. They wanted to fight. They wanted Jesus to sit on the throne. We're going to storm the Roman palace. We are going to take what's ours. And yet Jesus says, listen, guys, that's not the way. I've got a different way. And that way is going to be known as peace. 
Did you know that Jerusalem's literal meaning is city of peace? And yet when I was there in 2018, I could say that that probably wasn't the picture that I pulled out. But Jesus has spoke prophetically that they are a city of peace. What makes this ride into Jerusalem that much more intriguing is that a couple hundred years before it even happened, a prophet by the name of Zechariah told us that it would happen. So in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, look at what it says. Rejoice, O people of Zion, or Jerusalem. Shout, O triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous, victorious, yet he is humble. And guess what he's doing? He's riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. Jesus knew full well that when he told his boys, go get me that donkey and let me sit on it, I am going to make a statement to this entire world that I am the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. And he knew it as he preached it in that day. Now, if we are going to look at followership of Jesus in this world today, I asked you a redundant discipleship question just moments ago. Let me ask you a second one. Or does discipleship mean following Jesus on Calvary's road, which leads to death and suffering? Are you ready to sign up for that one? Jesus, in establishing that there was a new way, when I look at this story, he leads the people with peace. He leads the people with humility. He leads the people with sacrificial living. He leads the people through serving them. And the thing I love about Jesus the most is that he always lifted up the other person instead of looking at self-interest for himself. I love that about my Jesus. And to be a partisan of his kingdom, it means will you do the same? Will you lift up somebody else and quit trying to fight everybody in the world? And will you lead with peace? Will you lead with humility and be the ripple effect of love from the earthquake epicenter that happened in Jerusalem? The last thing I'm going to ask us today to get you into your holy week is this, does Jesus still weep? Now, this is interesting to me when I look at this because when I look at what Jesus is doing here, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem because they still don't understand his way of peace. I wonder if Jesus still weeps over us as Canadians today because we don't still understand that his way to win this world is through peace. I just want to fight them. I want to call down fire and get rid of them. And I wonder if Jesus weeps over that. The second thing that we see in that text as well is that Jesus weeps because he knows that the imperial power is going to come in and he's going to trample on his citizens. I mean, that's what it shows. In fact, those disciples over the years, they lost their lives to persecution they went through hell and back. This is what happened to them. And I wonder if Jesus now looks at us in Canada as well and says, I understand that some of the government decisions that will be made, they are gonna, uh, they're going to tread on you. I wonder if he sees that in Canada. The third thing I see that Jesus weeps for over this text is that, and this is probably the most important one, but he tells us right here, is that there will be people who will not accept salvation. Have you seen that in Canada? 
and he weeps. Now, the Bible does say that there will be no tears in heaven. So does Jesus still weep? That's a great question. I'm going to leave it for Pastor James to answer that sometime soon in a theater near you. So uh, we'll get there. But th- this is where I'm, I'm, I'm landing with this, is that in those three things that he weeped on over Jerusalem, I wonder if this still bothers him today in Canada. Like, I wonder, have we missed the way of peace? I wonder if the government and the things that it has brought has brought damage to people. And I wonder if we've chosen not to accept salvation. Maybe he doesn't weep today, but we want to know one thing that he does is he still rebukes. So he rebukes you and I when we don't lead with peace. He rebukes you and I when we trample with our words upon government. He knows that he's the one in charge of those people anyway. Does it hurt? Does it suck? Yes and yes, but he still wants us to lead a certain way. And the third thing is that I wonder if he's going to rebuke people, especially when it comes to not accepting him. Last week, I finished with the idea out of 2 Peter that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone He is the cornerstone that which, if you build your life on him, you will be set up. But he is also known as the stumbling stone. And some people, according to what he wept over, are not going to be able to accept who he is, that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, and they will walk away from him. And Jesus sweeps over these moments. But on this Palm Sunday, this is what I know. Jesus still rides against the kingdoms of this world. Please do not be lost in what is happening in the government of Canada or other nations of the world. Yes, you could be there, you could be involved with it, and we want that advocacy, but Jesus is here to remind us all today that he is the one who establishes every single government, and he is in charge still. Even Jerusalem, his favorite place. He wants you and I to be a partisan of his kingdom. Jesus' journey, that day is our journey. He had resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And you want to know what he wants in your resolution today? He wants you to be resolutely focused on being a citizen of his kingdom that leads with peace, that quits fighting everybody, that understands the way forward is love, grace, mercy, humility, lifting up somebody else so that Jesus could have his way with them. You know what I desire for you and I walking into this Holy Week today is that we will become the aftershock of what happened at Easter Sunday, that you and I will be the tsunamis of love and grace and mercy to a world that desperately is need, and that together in the course of this week, we will begin to proclaim this idea that Jesus Christ, he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and Hosanna, Hosanna, the God who saves us, come and save Canada, in Jesus' name. Let's be resolute. Let's be citizens of a kingdom that can change the world. And I know it works because they changed the world once. 
when he died. They changed it all. Let's be that change again today because I know my nation of Canada needs it and I know my world needs it. Let's be what he's asked us to be, resolute upon who he is. Let me pray with me. Father, thank you today for this space and time where we are able to talk through these things. Church and State has been a very um, hard series in many respects, but we see it in such a beautiful story known as Palm Sunday. It was everywhere. And Jesus, you rode into Jerusalem that day to die. You did it to die for me. And I pray that we would not forget this reality as we walk into the context of this week. You're not dead. You are alive. But I thank you that you, you went to that hill, to that tree for me. And I pray again, God, that you will forgive me you will forgive us when we have not led the way of your kingdom or we've tried to fight and get my way. Forgive us, God, and help us to be the aftershocks, the tsunamis, the waves of the love and the mercy and grace that you have given. Help us to be that this week and let our lives testify to the goodness of God. So help us. With all eyes closed and heads bowed, I am going to ask a question that was my first point today. Perhaps you are here today or you're online with us and you are that first point where you would not welcome Jesus. And Jesus swept over the people who would not want to receive him. But today I want you to know that Jesus died for you. He loves you. He's got a good plan for you. It may have different pitfalls and different turns that don't make sense, but I'm here to tell you today that he loves you. And today it would be a privilege for you to walk to this king who is worthy of it all, this king who has such hope for you. And maybe you would say, Sean, I need that king to be a part of me, and I want to be a part of his kingdom. So if you're in this room today, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if you want this king Jesus, to be a part of your life, that you would raise your hand and that you would look me in the eye and then you could put your hand back down. If you are online with us today, you can click that button and a pastor will be in touch with you, contact with you. But this is the greatest decision you could ever make walking into this Easter week. On the count of three, one, two, three. Is there anybody in this room today? Thank you. I see your hands. Appreciate that. Thank you. And online, make that decision too today. Thank you. I see you. Jesus, and if you stuck your hand up today, pray this prayer with me under your breath. But Jesus, I thank you that you're an amazing king and I want to be a part of your kingdom. And so today I invite you to take the lordship of my life. Jesus, forgive me where I've placed other things as Lord. And now you take your seat of imminence, of importance, of rule. I submit my life to you today because I know you love me. And I pray today, Jesus, that you will set my path on a new trajectory as I follow your kingdom. Help me to quit fighting but to lay down my life to you so that I would lay my life down for other people. Help me to recognize and learn the new way forward that you have for your kingdom and what it means for me. Help us, I pray. So Jesus, I give you thanks for this time today. 
pray blessing upon it and ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to all the people who said yes to Jesus today? Now, as you head into your week, first of all, if you're brand new here today, welcome to Callwood Church, really. Privilege of having you here. Pastor James, the one who loves hugs, is the guy who's in the Welcome Center. Go say hi, especially if you're new. On your way out today, Alpha, this is important. Let me make two plugs here quickly. As Easter season is here, people need to know Jesus. Give these away to people and invite them. As well, as we learned on Tuesday, we are having an evangelism course. What a great plug for sharing the best news in the world, and that's Jesus. Go learn how to do that because our world needs Jesus, yes? Folks, have a fantastic week. We'll see you at all the fun things this week. Good Friday, Saturday morning breakfast for the community, and we get to celebrate a risen Christ next Sunday. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.